Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campia Show, coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. And ladies and gentlemen, it is Thursday, which means we are lucky to be joined by actress, you've seen her, you, you can see her in the upcoming movie King Richard. You've seen her in shows like Mad Men, The Flash, many, many others. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Cummings is here. Aaron, how you doing? I mean, who needs IMDb when we have John Campia to just rattle off all of my credits? I love it. I have to tell you, I really think that you out there, you guys are my good luck charm because just last week we had a whole conversation about how to get an agent, do you need an agent? And I was lamenting about the fact that I didn't have an agent or a manager and I was and I was actually about to start taking meetings. Well, I'm so thrilled to share with you guys, you're the first to know, besides my mom, of course, um, that yesterday I had two meetings back to back with an agency and a manager that I really wanted to be represented by. And I am now a new client of uh, Pakula King and Associates, who represents my good friend and Spartacus co-star, Craig Parker. You've also seen him in Lord of the Rings and a million other shows. And I am also a client um, of a company, Atlas Artists, who represents my former Detroit 187 co-star, Natalie Martinez, as well as some of my favorite actors like David Desmalchian and uh, the recently Emmy award-winning actress, Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso. So I am so thrilled to go from last week saying, ah, I really need to get an agent and a manager to this week saying, hey, I just got an agent and a manager. So uh, it's been a really exciting week and um and I'm thrilled to be able to share my good news with all of you first. Well, I'm glad to hear it because, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I was actually going to give you a call and ask you about that stuff. But I thought uh, I'll, I'll let her do it. You have you have enough on your plate right now. You got some big stuff coming up. There is the, a lot going on in the yeah. next couple of days uh, that, you know, we'll talk about another time. Oh, by the way, today is also a big day for me. Big day for me. Uh, I would What's even say more important than what's happened to you. Um, okay, I'll, I'll take that. That that is, uh, I get to see Dune today. Today is Dune Day. Now, listen, it's only once a year, only once a year, do you get to see your most anticipated film of the year? Only once a year <laughs> can you see your most anticipated film of the year. That day is here for me. So I think you and I can both agree that my stuff. Is bigger. Yeah, you are definitely winning the week. I'm, I'm yeah, winning this is the def week. Definitely the John Campio week. You know, yeah, so forget <laughs> that my entire career is about to be, you know, uh, overhauled because I have a new team. You know what you're seeing? Well, how are you seeing Dune today? It opens today. Oh, today's Thursday. Yes, today's Thursday. By the <laughs> I don't even know. I, that's where I am. I don't even know what day it is. So what time is this? Are we in the, we're not doing midnight. What, what time does it open at? Like 3 p.m. or is it just open right the, now? Like the could, first, could I run out and beat you to the movie theater and see Dune before not, you do? Not Therefore, in L.A. This Aaron Cummings week. Not in L.A. But so I'm going to like around me, the earliest screening is at 6 p.m. 
So okay. that's the that's the one Ann and I are going to. So I'm very excited. Good to see you tonight. Everybody keep your eyes open for the channel tonight. I will be putting up my straight out of the movie theater review uh, or reaction, I should say, coming out of the theater tonight. So keep your guys' eyes open for that. And I'm sure Robert Meyer Burnett and I will talk about it much more in depth on tomorrow's show. But speaking of show, guys, welcome to it today. Here's how we're going to break it down. As always, the first half of the show is going to be some predetermined topics. Second half of the show is taking your live comments and questions. If you'd like to get in a live comment or question on the show to be read on this or an upcoming companion video, simply click on the tip link down in the description of this video or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on the show if it's, of course, we deem it appropriate for the show. And, of course, you're supporting the channel at the same time and all of us involved here with the show. Thank you guys so much for your support. Oh, one other thing, guys. Uh, don't forget, go and subscribe to the podcast feed. There's the audio-only version of the show that we put up in podcast feed. Just go to your favorite podcasting app of choice and search for the John Cabe Show podcast so it will be there when you need it, just like a condom in your wallet. All right. With that down, guys, let's get on to some stuff here. We're going to start today with an off-the-top, and our off-the-top is this. Aaron, I don't know if you know this or not, but, I mean, everybody knows my favorite movie star is Ryan Reynolds. But the guy I think is actually the best actor in the business today, now that Daniel Day-Lewis is retired. Um, I honestly think he doesn't always make the best movies, but I honestly think Russell Crowe is the best actor in the world. That's, that's just my thing. I can watch this guy play in the worst piece of crap movie and I just, I'm always enthralled, whether it's Cinderella Man or Gladiator or The Insider or a, 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 what's, the, what's the name of the one he did with Al Pacino again, where I think it was The Insider. Anyway, where he totally upstaged Pacino, and that's not an easy thing to do. But anyway, I, I think the guy's just the most talented there is in the world, even though a lot of his movies are terrible. <laughs> but that being said, I'm also a big fan of Zac Efron. I, I became- Oh a, yeah, he's great. I became a fan of Zac Efron when he did this little film called with Claire Danes called Me and Orson Welles. And oh, I haven't seen that. It's I mean, he did it like 10, 11, 12 years ago. But I remember like he was already the big, you know, teeny poster cover boy, Zach Efron, that I never took seriously. And then I saw me and Orson Welles, and I'm like, wow, like this dude's really good. And I loved him in Greatest Showman. I actually think he's when he's on his A game, I actually think he's pretty good. So imagine my thrill. When I realized that Russell Crowe and Zac Efron are doing a film together, they are both now in Thailand getting ready to shoot a film for Peter Farley for the greatest beer run ever. Now, Peter Farley, he was a writer of Dumb and Dumber, uh, but he directed one of my favorite films the last number of years, The Green Book, which actually won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. So he, he won the award for that. And the sounds of this movie are great. I love the Now, the name of it sounds like an 80s frat comedy, but it's not. Uh, this comes to us from Variety, who writes, Russell Crowe and Zac Efron have arrived in Thailand for the production of a, the buddy movie, The Greatest Beer Run Ever. The film is directed by Peter Farley, whose 2018 film Green Book won three Oscars in 2019, including Best Picture. The film is an adaptation of the book the Greatest Beer Run Ever, A True Story of Friendship Stronger Than War, written by Joanna Malloy and John Chicky Donahue. It is based on the true story of Donahue, who left New York in 1967 to track down and share a few beers with his childhood buddies in the Army while they were fighting in Vietnam. 
As with Spike Lee's own wartime buddy movie, To Five Bloods, the production is using Thailand as a stand-in for Vietnam. And that, again, comes to us from Variety. I'll tell you what. Honestly, Aaron, even if you took Mm -hmm. out the fact that Russell Crowe was in it, and if you took out the fact that Zac Efron was in it, you tell me the guy who directed Green Book is doing a movie about a true story about a guy who actually went to Vietnam to find his friends there fighting to share a beer with them while they're doing that to me. I've never heard of this true story. I've never heard of it. But that alone to me makes it sound like it's a must see. Like this sounds fantastic. You add on top of that, Russell Crowe, Zac Efron. To me, this sounds like a huge win. I'm all for this. I think this sounds great. Aaron, you heard about this news this morning. What do you think about the sounds of the greatest beer run ever? Well, um, I don't want to be that person that has to say I actually knew way back when, but I actually did know (laughs) way back when because I auditioned for this movie. Um, I auditioned to play Zac Efron's mother, which is a really great example, ladies and gentlemen, of a cue that you need to fire your agent because that is just not (laughs) biologically possible. (laughs) Um, I'm a little bit older than him, but not that much older than him. I thankfully did not get the part of Zach Efron's mother, but I did get a chance way back in June uh, to actually read the script for this film. And it is so good. It is just fantastic. It is a wild adventure that, um, you know, whether or not you are interested in, uh, you know, a story about a quote beer run. If you're interested in persevering and pursuing and going against all odds to really greatest display of love for your friendship um, and friendship that endures, it's fantastic. And another thing to share with you guys, this was something that was sent to all of us that were auditioning as kind of a way to get a, a greater idea of the backstory. If you go to YouTube after the John Campia show, of course, don't click away from us to do this. But if you go to YouTube and you search Pabst Blue Ribbon Presents the Greatest Beer Run Ever, it's actually uh, there's a little short film that features all of the original people, like all of the guys who were part of this original story, including Chicky, the guy that uh, the, the man that Zac Efron plays. And they tell the story of how it all happened. And they're sitting in a bar and they're drinking beer. And it's just really lovely and fun and wonderful. And you fall in love with the real people. So to have the incredible talents of Zac Efron and Russell Crowe and Bill Murray is rumored. I I don't know anything about whether or not he's officially in it, but IMDb says that he is rumored to be in it as well. Um, I think that this movie is going to be a slam dunk home run. Again, after the John Campia show, go check out on YouTube, Paps Blue Ribbon presents the greatest beer run ever. And it's really going to make you fall in love with this movie before anything else. And um, while I'm thrilled that I did not get to play uh, Zac Efron's mother, I am really bummed that I don't get a chance to be a part of this movie because it sounds like a really fun 
Question is for you guys. What do you think about the sounds of the greatest beer run ever? I think this sounds amazing, and it's got two of my favorite actors in there with an incredibly uh, with an incredible director who, you know, his movie just won Best Picture at the Academy Awards not long ago, too. But what do you think? Maybe it doesn't sound that interesting to you. Maybe you think that sounds great, but it's not my kind of movie. Maybe you're dying to see it. However you guys are feeling, jump on down to the comments section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, let's now get into our main topics today. And how do we select our main topics here in the John Campion Show? Well, it's easy. You see, you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to have as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 to www.thejohncampionshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe... Just maybe you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show. With that down, let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Brett. And Brett writes, Bad news for non-theater goers, John. Today is October 21st, which marks the 48th day since Shang-Chi was released. But... The film is still not available for at-home viewing. As Business Insider reported, Shang-Chi is skipping VOD and going straight to Disney Plus on November 12th, extending the theatrical window from 45 to 70 days. Why has Disney done this? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, listen, everybody knows Shang-Chi is just like straight up one of my favorite films of the year. Maybe, I mean, I think my favorite film of the year was still probably... A Quiet Place 2, probably, maybe. Might be Shang-Chi, though. Anyway, I love Shang-Chi. Love this movie. Now, of course. Who doesn't? One of the things that has changed during the pandemic was the traditional 90-day theatrical window. For those who don't know what a theatrical window is, it's basically the amount of time a studio agrees with movie theaters that a movie can only be seen in movie theaters until it's then available to be viewed at some kind of home viewing. And traditionally, that has been 90 days. During the pandemic, it has basically changed now where the theatrical industry standard is now basically kind of 45 days. There are some exceptions here and there, but basically that's it. Uh, Without getting into too many details, that's basically a good rule of thumb. It's 45 days. And you're right. A little while ago, they did announce that Shang-Chi was going to be coming out on November 12th on the Disney streaming service, on the 12th, which got a lot of people wondering, well, wait a minute, what about, you know, the 45-day window? What what about the window? Like, isn't, isn't that supposed to be when such and such and such and such? Or like, why is it 70? Shouldn't it be coming out today? What's going on? What's special about Shang-Chi? Okay, so here's the thing that you got to keep in mind. Even when there was a 90-day window, It's not like that's a rule. Like there was never a rule that says after 90 days, a movie goes to home video on the 90th day at 12.01 a.m. Boom, that's when it gets released. It's never been that way. Like sometimes, sure, a movie waited until the actual 90th day and then it comes out on, you know, Blu-ray or VOD or streaming, whatever can do that. But studio distributors quite often, just like a movie, will release their home viewing options when they think it's a good time to do it. 
maybe that was at 90 days. Sometimes that it was 100 days. Sometimes it was 120 days. The, the basic point here is this. While the rule does say that you can't put it out on home video for at least 45 days, that doesn't mean it's also a rule that says on the 46th day it's got to come out on VOD. No, the distributors will still put it out whenever they feel is best for them to put it out. Shang-Chi is not the first to come out significantly after the theatrical window, and it won't be the last. So, yeah, there's nothing exceptional here. There's nothing different here. There's nothing unusual here. It's just that they don't put it out until at least 45 days, but it can come out any time after that. It can come out a month after that. It can come out three months after that. That would be unusual, but it's happened. So, yeah, nothing really new there. Aaron, as somebody who has, uh, you know, been in this business and seen a lot of this stuff, do you have anything to add there about, like, when movies come out in home video? Is there some kind of special situation going on with Shang-Chi that we're not familiar with? How do you see this? No, I think you really hit the nail on the head. I don't have much to offer um, except that, you know, that as things change, we all get accustomed to whatever the new normal is. And so if the window had changed from 45 days, if the theatrical window had changed from 45 days to 20 days, people would be screaming, oh, my gosh, why hasn't Shang-Chi come out on video? You know, and and so we always get used to the new normal. Um um, I I do think that it is advantageous for the theater. I mean, excuse me, for them to keep the film in theaters. Obviously, people are going. I mean, I've seen it now twice. You've seen it what seven times? I saw Sean times? seven times in theaters. Yes. Right. Exactly. And so, um, oh, my light just went out. I will fix that when we when we go back to you. But um, you know, I, I do think that they're trying to maximize this as much as possible, probably to re losses that they had from other films that they didn't keep as in an exclusive theatrical window. Um, so I, I, I applaud them on the financial end. I think it's probably a good business decision, but certainly there are people that for whatever reason are still not physically able to to the theater that are really excited about seeing Shang-Chi. So for their sake, I really hope that um, this window doesn't last too much longer. As you said, it's November November what on, day? November 12th November on Disney 12th. Plus Day. On Disney Plus Day, yes. On Disney Plus Day. So, you know, I mean, we, we don't have too much. That's less than a month. And then we will all be able to binge Shang-Chi every weekend or once a day if we really feel like it. Um, so, so it's coming soon. Not to worry. All right, I'm going to go fix my light real all quick. Right. So question is for you guys. What do you think about this? Yes, it didn't come out on the 46th day, but that's actually not unusual. That's kind of the norm. Do you think it should be the norm? Do you think that maybe, you know, the home release should be adhering to on the 45th day it ends in theaters and it should be right on streaming on the 46th? Whatever you guys are feeling like, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Alan Schroeder, who writes, Hey, John and crew, love the show and hope you're doing well. Thank you so much, Alan. I am doing great, thanks. I just saw an article claiming that Marvel Studios is working on a World War Hulk film that is set to start production late next year, and that the She-Hulk show would be setting it up. I know this isn't coming from one of the main trades, so I am quite a bit skeptical that this is happening. What are your thoughts on this? Okay, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, if you don't know, Planet Hulk and World War Hulk 
are a pair. They, they go hand in hand. There's the Planet Hulk storyline and there's the World War Hulk storyline, but they are absolutely connected to each other. And they're really a couple of the greatest stories in comic books in the last 30 years. I mean, they're, they're just great. I mean, I don't have them as high as, say, I do for Age of Apocalypse or things like that or Nightfall, but it, the, the Planet Hulk and World War Hulk storylines are absolutely fascinating. I think the best Hulk storylines ever, and I know maybe that sounds a little stereotypical, but honestly, I think they're like a couple of the best Hulk storylines ever. Um, and I love these things. And there has been whispers for years about the idea of them doing a Planet Hulk movie, which they did do a, you know, a crappy little animated movie about, um, and a war, war, uh, World War Hulk storyline. Now, for those of you who don't know, here's the basic gist of it, okay? And I'm leaving out every single major detail, but here's the basic gist of it. A couple of the leading heroes in the world... I believe refer to themselves as the Illuminati. I, I think and Charles Xavier, no. Namor, Black Panther, uh, uh, Reed Richards, you know, a couple of uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark. They have this kind of group that kind of like they make all the decisions for the world in secret, right? To try to keep the world safe and all that kind of stuff. And they decide after Bruce Banner has an episode that the Hulk is simply too dangerous for the world. And they all love Bruce, but he's just too dangerous. And so what they do is they put him on a ship, fly him into space. Now, this is basically Planet Hulk. He ends up on a planet that ends up being a gladiatory planet. He has to fight as a gladiator. He rises up, conquers the world, gets a wife, has chill, has a kid, you know, all this kind of stuff. But then the ship that he landed in explodes and it kills everybody, almost everybody, including his wife and child. Now Hulk's mad. And that's basically Planet Hulk. Again, I'm, I'm, going, I'm being very, 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 very vague here, but that's Planet Hulk. World War Hulk is, understandably, Hulk is now pissed. He's very pissed. And he decides he's going back to Earth, and he's going to take out everyone that was even remotely responsible for sending him out there in the first place. And basically, you have this storyline now, World War Hulk, where basically Hulk is going around taking out everyone. Everyone who tries to stand in his way. One of my favorite parts is when he actually ends up at the X-Mansion because he's now he's going after Charles and all the X-Men are like trying to stop Hulk and Beast is trying to like talk him down. It's a fantastic scene. It's a fantastic scene. Anyway, um, all that being said, to the the emailer, yeah, there there's been report going out that World War Hulk is getting made, that they're actually planning on shooting it soon. This comes to us from the folks over at uh, CBR who write, rumors suggest that there may be plans for the Incredible Hulk to finally get a solo film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that will follow up on Mark Ruffalo's appearance in the upcoming Disney Plus She-Hulk series and will allegedly involve adapting the famous World War Hulk storyline from their comics. And that, of course, again, comes to us from CBR. So the question is, could this rumor be true? Could it be true? Well, a couple of things need to be said here. On the one hand, um, you got to understand it's coming, like they said in the email, it's not coming from a re- what we would call a reliable news source, okay? Those are the major traits. Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Deadline, The Wrap, you know, things like that. Entertainment Weekly. 
the, the actual industry leaders who actually know everybody in the business and all that kind of stuff. Now, that's not to say that there obviously aren't some stories that break that don't break initially in the, in the major trades. Obviously, they do. But you do have to take this with a grain of salt, a massive grain of salt, that this does not come from one of those. It comes from a smaller outlet. Now, I think there are some reasons why you could buy into this and reason why we shouldn't buy into this theory. And for that, let's jump over to the Campia classroom. Okay. <laughs> and we're going to start things with saying pros. Like, why could we maybe believe this could happen? All right. Let's look at some of the pros. Hulk has been very criminally underused in the MCU. Hulk has been very underused up until this point. Like when you go to the first Avengers movie, I talk about this a lot. In the first Avengers movie, Hulk is basically the nuclear option. Like he's the ultimate threat. Like even right. Loki said the ultimate part of his goal was you've got the monster on your ship now. Ha <laughs> ha! And he's going to blow right? We see Hulk single-handedly with one punch taking down the big space flying worm of, in, in the invasion. Like It's Hulk. He's the ultimate nuclear option. We have a Hulk. Now, they kind of started to neuter him a bit after that, and they never really got back to making any more standalone things. There are reasons for that, which we'll talk about in a second, but they, he has been very underused. At the most, he was used as a secondary character in Thor Ragnarok, which I actually really, I love that movie, and I love the way they used Hulk, but at most, he's been a secondhand character. So there's that. Then the other reason why you could believe this is that World War Hulk is a fantastic story. World War Hulk is an absolutely fantastic story. It's it's wide-reaching in scope. It actually incorporates like all of the MCU or, or a whole bunch of, not the MCU, but the Marvel comic world. You get to see Hulk at his absolute, most ferocious, monstrous, violent best. Filled with rage and anger. You know, the, the angrier Hulk gets, the stronger he gets, and he ain't ever been angrier. And to see him going up against and defeating, like, the top of the top of, as far as, like, Marvel heroes go and everything, it's a pretty impressive sight. But at its core, too, it's a great story about a man and his pain and what pain can do to somebody. And, and that is always a great spark for a story. So it's great story, great action. It's absolutely fantastic, so it's great. A third reason is Mark Ruffalo is appearing in She-Hulk. So the rumor going around is that She-Hulk is going to be the launching point for World War Hulk. Now, we do know Mark Ruffalo is going to be appearing in She-Hulk. So is that evidence there's going to be a World War Hulk movie? No. But is it anecdotal? I mean, is it is it circumstantial? Sure. It's yet another thing there that suggests that maybe this could be happening. Okay. So Hulk has been very criminally underused in the MCU. World War Hulk is a fantastic story. And Mark Ruffalo is appearing in She-Hulk. So if you're going to be somebody who believes this report, that they're about to start making a World War Hulk movie in 2022, like in just a number of months, there are some reasons there for you to believe it. I, I think there are. Okay. But I also believe there are reasons not to believe it. So let's get over here and talk cons. Okay. First thing is first. Universal still owns the distribution rights 
to Hulk. Now, you might say, but John, I heard that Marvel got those rights back. Uh, you know, I heard those whispers too, but that's never been that's never been uh, verified. The studios have never confirmed that. None of the major trades have ever confirmed that. Yeah, but because you got to remember, there were whispers that Marvel or DC, or I should say Disney, got the distribution rights to any Hulk solo project back years and years and years ago. And then we found out that that wasn't true. And then those same rumors sparked up again. So uh, it could be that in secret that nobody knows about that Disney got those distribution rights back. But as of right now, the official word is that they haven't. So we have to go with that for now. The reason that's important is this. Disney has not been interested in making a standalone Hulk movie that they don't get to distribute themselves. Because if they make a standalone Hulk movie, they don't get to distribute it. Universal gets it. And Universal gets to distribute it. That's the existing rights that they have. Because remember, there are two sets of rights. There's production rights. Do you have the right to make the movie? Then there's distribution rights, which is what do you do with the movie once it gets made? And as as far as we know, while there have been whispers that Disney has gotten those rights back, that's never been verified. So we got to go with the assumption for now, which could be wrong. But for now, we at least got it with the assumption that Universal still has its distribution rights. And if that's the case, there's no reason Disney would want to make a standalone Hulk movie just for Universal to get to go and distribute it. All right. Next thing, we already talked about this. This rumor uh, did not come from a reliable... Um, uh, outlet. Now, when I say reliable, there are lots of there are lots of outlets out there that are not the major trades that you can say are reliable. When I'm saying reliable here, what I mean by that is the standard, tested, tried and true, the real outlets, variety, not John Campia, not whatever other else out there, but the real reliable sources. Uh, Deadline, Hollywood Reporter, Variety, things like that. This does not come from there, so you always got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. The other reason why this is something that maybe you shouldn't believe is true is this. The story is huge. World War Hulk. Now, the comics are the comics. The t- t- movies are movies. They're two different things. You adapt them differently. But the setup for World War Hulk is Planet Hulk. And it's massive. And it's huge. This rumor going around that says they're going to set up World War Hulk in She-Hulk? Really? Mark Ruffalo, from every report we've heard, actually plays a pretty small part in this show. And Whether that's true or not, I don't know. We'll find out. You and I will both find out soon enough. But really, as a secondary or third-level character, we're going to have minority of screen time they're going to use that in a she-hulk show that's about something else to set up world war hulk i don't know that seems that seems a little out there that seems a little out there so the story is just huge for setting it up as a little side note in a she-hulk tv series it just doesn't seem to to track the other thing is this uh the mcu is not set up for a world war hulk story right now at least it doesn't feel like it. Now, this could be all part of the grand machinations of one Kevin Feige and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, but it just does not seem like it's in a place right now where literally as soon as 2023, we could be getting Hulk versus everybody. Especially again. Now, I love the Russo brothers and all the movies they have done. My one little nitpick. 
with uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, and I love these guys. I love them. But my one little nitpick about their handling of their MCU films is that they neutered Hulk. They basically turned Hulk into something lesser than than what he should be. Does that make me a drooling Hulk fanboy? Maybe. Maybe it does. I can live with that. So anyway, there are pros. There are reasons to believe this report. Hulk has been criminally underused. It's the World War Hulk story is fantastic. Mark Ruffalo is, in fact, appearing in She-Hulk. However, I also believe there are some strong reasons not to believe this rumor. Universal still owns the distribution rights to Hulk, as far as we know. And as long as that is the case, they ain't going to make another Hulk movie. Uh, The rumor did not come from one of the actual main outlets, which, you know, if this was true, you would think they would have heard of it. Uh, The story is just too huge and vast, and the MCU doesn't seem to be set up for it. Now, I am not definitively sitting here and telling you guys that this is not true. I am telling you, I do not believe this is true. I believe that the outlet that's reporting this was told this. Like, I'm not saying the outlet that's spreading this rumor is lying. I'm not saying that. I believe they were probably told that, but I just don't believe the information. Now, look, we can talk about, there's a difference between what I'm telling you is fact and what I'm telling you is what I believe. Like, there's a big NFL weekend coming up. And I could tell you guys that I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win this weekend. But I don't know that they're going to win. Like, they could lose. I'm just telling you, I think they're going to win. I believe they're going to win. When it comes to this, I believe that this rumor is false. I believe it's not true. It doesn't mean it's impossible that it could be. And as new information comes out, maybe we'll adjust everything. But I'll tell you what, Aaron. I would love for this to be true. Because, like I said, this World War Hulk storyline is vast. It, like, truly brings the entire... It it has the potential of bringing the entire MCU together. Because if you've got a true Hulk going straight up Red Rage mad, you've got to have Doctor Strange, and you've got to have Shang-Chi, and you've got to have the Eternals, and you've got to have Ant-Man and War Machine and Captain Marvel, and you got to have all of them. you got to have them all. And you got to have the X-Men, which are going to be coming sooner or later thing. you got to have them all. Uh, so I would love it. I, I'm drooling a little bit in my mouth right now just thinking about the on-screen possibilities. But I think the evidence is stacked against us, so I don't believe it's going to happen, but God, I hope it does. Aaron, you've heard about all this. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you have never read Planet Hulk or World War Hulk, but hearing as a, as a fan, as an observer, as a fan, what do you think about the sounds of this? Would you be interested in the story and seeing the stuff that I laid out, do you believe it is happening or is not happening? What do you think? Oh my gosh, so many things to say. First of all, it's shocking the similarities between what happened to bruce and what happened to you of course you know, because similarly <laughs> you were also sent from burbank way out into the middle of you know the desert in california because and you're just too dangerous i'm too dangerous can't be in la you're just too dangerous la couldn't handle you sorry i've been sitting on that joke for like 30 <laughs> minutes during can be a classroom i just had to get it out there um i don't think this is going to happen yet i think there's absolutely a world in which this will happen and could happen and should happen, but I don't think it's going to happen yet. And here's why for the singular reason that 
the MCU really has allowed their introduction of characters to a larger audience. Of course, I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who's not as familiar with the comic books and who doesn't know the canon. You know, they they really want to they 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 give the audience an opportunity to get to know their new characters and to fall in love with their new characters without saying, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But now we're gonna do this other thing. You know, we got to meet um again for those of us who were not already familiar with the comic books, we got to meet um Wanda and get to know her story. And then from there we got to meet Agatha. And now we know that that's going to be coming, you know, spinning off into its own series. And that's exciting because we've already fallen in love with that world. I think that because the story of Hulk and the idea of world war Hulk, which I have to really enunciate because it's a tongue twister, um, because the idea of that is so massive and would be so anticipated that the sheer suggestion of it would certainly overshadow what's going to be developing with the story of She-Hulk. I don't think that that's something that's, that is going to be entertained in the near future um, as a possibility for now. I really think that they're going to let She-Hulk um, play out, let the audience, the wider audience, fall in love with the characters that are in that series and then from that world, that will ultimately develop into what we see as World War Hulk. Um, it, like you said, in the classroom, it's a great idea. Hulk is underused. Maybe there's some sort of legal stuff that needs to be worked out on distribution because you're absolutely right. There's no way in hell that Disney is going to be like, sure, we'll make it and you can reap all the financial benefits from distributing it. That is just not going to happen. Um, it would make no financial sense at all. Um, but it's a great idea. Another idea that I think really is uh, something that should be considered is just forget the whole, you know, uh, the canon, forget the comic books, forget the actual origin story. I want to see a Planet Hulk film that's really just about a bunch of scientific intellectuals walking around, living their best life and... Uh, being very diplomatic and professional with one another until someone just gets cut off in traffic and then they all turn into Hulks at the same time. <laughs> like, I want Planet Hulk of nothing but Bruce Banners and Hulks who all live in community. And then just every once in a while, everybody freaks the fuck out on each other and they all just, you know, that's what I would like to see. It makes absolutely no sense with the origin story of Hulk, but just, you know, Hey, Kevin Feige, you don't have anything else going on. Do me a solid and just make it for me. Here's, so here's those a, are my thoughts on that. I think you're absolutely right. Um, we should see that, and I, I hope that we do see that. But I don't think, think that we are going to see that in the very near future. And I don't think that She-Hulk is going to be the vehicle mm. which is then overshadowed by that very awesome and exciting story. Yeah, someday it gets made. Someday it gets made. Yes. It's going to be a big, expensive thing. One other thing I forgot to mention in the classroom, too, is that um, like Thor Ragnarok actually adopted a lot of Planet Hulk story. Like basically Thor Ragnarok is a second step cousin removed of Planet Hulk. It took a lot of the elements of Planet Hulk and they just used it in a Thor movie where Hulk was too. But that doesn't mean that they can't do World War Hulk. Question is for you guys. 
What do you think about this? Do you actually think they're shooting a World War Hulk movie in a, in several months here once we get into 2022? I don't believe they are, but I'm open to new information coming to light to change my mind because I'll tell you what, straight up, I would love to see it. I would absolutely love to see this. I've been wanting to see this for a long time, but I don't think it's happening right now. Maybe you do. Whatever you guys are feeling right now, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number three, shall we? And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Johnny uh, Shalev, who writes, Hey, John and Aaron. I just watched the new trailer for Netflix's Red Notice. Number one, my instant reaction when seeing it was, it's three minutes long. How much are they going to show us? Well, they showed us a lot, too much in my opinion. It felt a bit mess messy at times. Number two, it was still okay, again, in my opinion. I even had a few laughs, but it wasn't enough to make me confident that this is going to be a good movie. What are your thoughts? All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, Johnny. And yeah, listen, we've known for a long time, there's this movie Red Notice coming. It's got the literally, by the definition, they, it has literally the two biggest movie stars in the world, at least in terms of how much uh, salary they both command when, they're, when they appear at things. That's Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Ryan Reynolds. Full disclosure of some bias here. Uh, I, Ryan Reynolds is my favorite movie star in the world. Now, I, I, John, you said, no, no, Russell Crowe, I think, is the best actor in the world right now, now that Daniel Day-Lewis has retired. But my favorite guy to see in movies is Ryan Reynolds. Good Canadian kid. I love what this guy brings. He can do great comedy. He's a tremendous drama actor. Still, if you guys have not seen his movie Buried, I absolutely guarantee you he should have. He absolutely should have gotten a Best Picture or a Best Actor nomination for that. I'm not saying he should have won, but he should have got a Best Actor or Best uh, Actor nomination for Buried. Um, the uh, uh, Oh, then the one he did with the where he's got the daughter. I keep forgetting the name of it. Uh, maybe, possibly, certainly. I can't remember the name. You guys in the live chat, what's the name of that one? Maybe, possibly, something, something. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, why am I freezing on the name of that movie right now? But if you definitely, uh, definitely maybe. maybe, thank you. Leo Liang was the first one to come up with that in the live chat there. Thank you, Leo. Definitely, maybe. God, you got to see him in that. He's great in that. But anyway, love Ryan Reynolds. So full disclosure, my bias. I'm a huge Ryan Reynolds fan, okay? I'm also a big fan of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. They dropped the first trailer for it a while ago. And listen, I, I am not, nor can I ever be, uh, biased in giving my opinion. Right. I love Ryan Reynolds. I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But I did not love the first trailer for, for Red Notice. I thought it was, I didn't think it capitalized on the natural skills that Reynolds or Johnson brings to the screen. I thought it kind of laid out the whole story for it. It just seemed absolute cliche ridden and it, it just didn't work for me. Now, again, I, I, what I want to do is tell you that I thought it was fantastic because I think Ryan Reynolds is so great, but I can't do that. I, I saw it. I didn't like it. I didn't think it looked very interesting. Now, that's just a trailer, though. That doesn't mean the movie's not going to be great. Maybe the movie will be great. Trailers are trailers, movies are movies. I didn't like the trailer. So the second trailer for Red Nose comes out, and I am even less impressed than I was with the first one. They just showed more of it. And it, I, I just got to tell you, it didn't work for me. 
it looks a little don't get me wrong i love a good amount of silly like when you use silly right it can be very it can be lighthearted. it can be fun it can add a lot of entertainment but then there's just silly silly and a, a lot of this just seems silly silly again i didn't feel like it was capitalizing on the people involved um i it just you know the job of a trailer aaron i say this all the time is to take your expect is to take your excitement level no matter how high it is or how low it is and just bump it up a couple of notches and i got to say the red notice trailers have not done that for me again i hope the movie's going to be awesome it very well could be awesome but i'm not going to lie and tell you i thought it was great when i did and i didn't think the trailers were very good you had a chance to see him aaron what did you think about the red notice trailer you know i got a lot of flack for my reaction to the eternals trailer um, but I'm, I feel like there's a lot of similarities in my reaction to this trailer as that. And it's not that I don't think the movie is going to be good. It's that the trailer I felt was really, um, didn't do service to what I felt could have been a really great movie. And in the same way that the Eternals trailer, not the movie, but the Eternals trailer made me feel at the time, like I was having superhero movie fatigue trailer made me feel action movie fatigue that doesn't mean that i'm sick and tired of seeing uh you know action movies just like i'm not sick and tired of seeing superhero movies because i saw shang chi right after i saw the trailer and i was like oh my god i love superhero movies um but or comic book movies but this really it's almost as if someone and and i it's almost as if someone a monkey perhaps plugged in into a formula all of the things that people are supposed to have in a an action movie trailer you know we have the bad girl you know villain with the louboutin pumps that we see the red soul you know at, at for her we see the uh, the strong man busting through the glass and then his counterpart trying to bust and, oh, it didn't work. You know, it just it felt very cliche. It felt very trite. And I'm, I'm with you, John. I, Ryan Reynolds, despite this trailer, his charisma always comes through. Um, but I felt like the dialogue was predictable. I thought that the direction seemed very obvious and this is and, and, and I and I really wanted to like this but I felt like this especially this trailer it seemed like Netflix was going we put a lot of money into this so we really better make sure that people like it so let's show them all the reasons why they're going to be excited explosion fight scenes guns sexy woman bending over lots of thigh you know uh, it just I, I really wanted to like it, but it was it just felt like um very trite, very predictable. Yeah, very, and, and again, this mm. could be just a the a bad job by a marketing department putting together a bad trailer. I mean, again, this I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed. It's Ryan Reynolds, so I'm gonna check it out no matter what. Uh it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson, so I'm gonna check it out no matter what. So I, I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed at this because look, we have seen lots of bad trailers to good movies. And lots of good trailers to bad movies. So fingers crossed this will be good. But right now, I'm not feeling the trailers, unfortunately, despite it having a couple of my favorite movie stars in there. Anyway, guys, question is for you. 
What did you think about the brand new Red Notice trailer? Maybe you think we're crazy. Maybe you think these trailers were awesome. They totally appealed to you and they make you excited for the movie. If it did that, that is awesome. It didn't for us, unfortunately. How did you guys feel about it? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four, shall we? And our fourth main topic today gets submitted to us by Rayan Butt, who writes, Well, John, I'm writing this to you before it's officially out right now. I wrote it earlier this morning. But what were your thoughts on the trailer for Uncharted? I saw this one get leaked before its official release the night before, too, like Spider-Man No Way Home. Tom Rothman must be losing his shit right now. Does Tom Holland convince you as Nathan Drake? How's Mark Wahlberg Sully measuring up? Thanks, and bring on the filthy. All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, Rand. Um, And yeah, listen, I know a lot of people have been excited, waiting for, anticipating this first trailer for Uncharted to drop. Now, I am all for the idea of them trying, you know, especially after playing Thief's End and stuff like that, them going with the younger Nathan Drake story. Not everybody is. But right from day one, I said, I'm on, on board with this. I think there's a lot of neat stories you could tell there. And it opens up the possibilities to have somebody playing Nathan Drake for a very long time when you start with a, you know, mid to early 20s Tom Holland playing the role. I also thought there was something really poetically appropriate that Mark Wahlberg, who for years was attached to play Nathan in Uncharted now comes back. It's still with the project, only he's playing a Sully, a younger version than what we're used to seeing in the in the games, of course, but he's playing that. So I've been really looking forward to seeing this trailer and how it turned out. And I'm going to say something really unpopular. I thought the trailer was great. I didn't think it was good. I thought it was great. And now I, but there's a couple of asterisks you have to put beside that, okay? Asterisk number one, Thief's End was the only Uncharted game that I played. So I am not a long-term, hardcore uh, fan of the Uncharted games, okay? I've only played one of them and so whatever. So I, I approach this movie that I don't care how much it's, is this exactly like the way I want it to be from the game? I don't care. I just straight up don't care. As, as a movie fan, I don't care. I just approach this as I want to see a good trailer. And I thought it delivered on that. I thought it delivered a lot. The one other asterisk I have to put beside that is this. Oh my God, there is an absolutely ridiculous moment in this trailer that is just like, oh, did they really just do that? You guys know what I'm talking about. The, the mid-air scene where he jumps from the one crates at into the plane. Look, I'm no physics professor, but I'm pretty sure that can't happen. But, but hey, whatever. That's just me. <laughs> That's just me. Um, I thought, personally, I thought this trailer gave a sense of adventure. I felt like this had all the best sort of elements. Not that it's as good as Indiana Jones, but I say it took all those the great elements of things from great classic adventures, like Indiana Jones and things like that. I, I felt like it had that. I was intrigued by the story. I've seen a lot of people complaining, well, I don't think Sully should look like that. I don't give a shit. I'm here to see a good movie, all right? The number one job, I say this all the time when we come into a comic book adaptation or a video game adaptation, whatever. The number one job of filmmakers is not to make it as accurate as possible to the source material. The number one job of filmmakers is to make the best movie possible. 
And I know that's not popular to say. I know that's not the cool thing to say. That's not the trendy thing to say. I know that, but it is. It is what it is. And I watched this trailer and I thought, you know what? If I'm just approaching this as a film fan and I'm just watching this as a trailer, does this look like a really good fun time at the movies? And for me, the answer was yes. This felt really fun. And and now look, just because I feel that way doesn't mean other people are going to feel that. Maybe you just watch the trailer straight up and he's like, you know, this trailer's not working for me. And that's fair too. But all I can do is tell you my perspective. And my perspective was, I thought this was pretty fun. Anyway, Aaron, you had a chance to check out the trailer for Uncharted. You know, you are kind of like, I mean, I did play a little bit of the games, but I don't think you played any of the Uncharted games. So you're coming at it from a fresh, clean slate. You saw the trailer. I'm curious. You and I have not talked about this. What did you think of the Uncharted trailer? Well, first of all, you guys should all check out my Twitch stream and you'll see me playing Uncharted. <laughs> like, no, no, I've never played Uncharted. I do not have a video game console. So I am coming from the perspective of I do not know the source material and therefore the source material does not matter to me, which I know also is a very unpopular opinion. However, it is going to be the opinion of the movie going public at large. And um, for many of the people, yes, for the people who are diehard, you know, the gamers out there, that want it to be as close as possible. Um, I'm, I have no doubt that the producers and the, the production team behind this have made sure that there are just as many Easter eggs for you guys to enjoy as possible. But they also have to consider the movie-going public who is not familiar with the video game and hasn't played the video game and doesn't care what Sally looks like or what age this character is. Um, and th- for those of us, you know, yeah, we just want a story. And sometimes, as we've seen, a lot of the problem... Uh, one of the biggest problems that historically we've seen with video game um, properties that get turned into films is that they try to go to, to keep so closely to the video game that it doesn't make sense as a movie. It doesn't make sense as a story. And so there has to be, I feel like this movie is finally starting to bridge those two things of using the source material as inspiration, but also understanding that if we want to build a franchise, we got to have a story that makes sense. We have to have a story that people get invested in, that they can follow along with, and that we can keep telling for sequel after sequel after money-making sequel. That's what it's all about when it comes to the production end of these things. Um, And yeah, I I actually, maybe the stunt is far-fetched, but... I love the fact that they're introducing this from the jump because as we have seen in Fast and the Furious, the Fast and the Furious franchise can do anything. They could have Vin Diesel get eaten by a shark, open the shark's mouth, jump out of the shark's mouth and jump onto a dolphin and ride off into the sunset. (laughs) And we'd go, hey, man, it's Fast and the Furious Ocean Edition. Because the dolphin is family, Aaron. The dolphin is family. (laughs) It's all about family. It's It's family. family. But that's the thing is the Fast and the Furious franchise has done a brilliant move by setting us up to expect the absolute absurd. And so we just go, huh, it's fucking crazy, but sure, why not? And so for Uncharted, they're saying, hey, we're going to give you some stunts that are totally realistic, but we're also going to give you some stuff that's batshit bonkers crazy because that's just the world that we live in. And we go along for the ride. Um, 
I was listening to this really great compilation of uh, quotes, um, like bits of interviews on his writing process. And one of the things that he said um, was that when he and Jermaine Clement were doing What We Do in the Shadows, the film, that he looked over at Jermaine and he goes, this is so fucking stupid. Like, what are we <laughs> what are we doing here? And Jermaine said something and I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, you know what? Sometimes people just want to see something fun and it doesn't have to be brilliant. And I feel like Uncharted is that. Uncharted is just pure fun. It's adrenaline. It's excitement. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to this as someone who's not familiar with the video games, who's never played Uncharted. Uh, I think that this is a really a, a great fun adventure to go on. And I also I'm, I'm a, I, I love Mark Wahlberg. I think he's fantastic. I, and, and I also think that he's a keen business person in that he knows that just because he's not going to play the starring role doesn't mean that he should, you know, throw all of his toys off the, you know, throw all of his game pieces and walk off. He's going to go, no, I still want to fucking go. And he just takes the role that's a little bit more age appropriate. And I'm pretty sure he's getting a producer credit on this. So he's going to make some back end bank as well. And uh, and Tom Holland is really just continuing to make po- strong choices as an actor. And uh, and it's and it's great to see him evolving into some more mature roles as well. So I'm I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I certainly hope so, because I think this could be the start of a, of a great franchise. Again, Tom Holland. Uh, he's been in some rough stuff lately, but he's a really good actor. Mark Wahlberg is an Academy-nominated actor. Uh, doesn't always bring his A game, but some, when he does, he's really, really good. So I, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Right now, I think it's fun. And, you know, I, I should say, while I'm sitting here crapping on the airplane scene, I, I do have to acknowledge that scene is actually, like, directly taken from one of the games. Like, that's directly taken from one of the games. So I, I will give it that, but still, it felt... Like, that's the one part of the trailer that I was just like, oh, really? A little Fast 9 in there, but that's okay. Question is for you guys. Look, how did you feel about the trailer? Aaron and I seem to like it. That doesn't mean you need to like it. I'm sure a bunch of you don't. But whatever you guys are feeling about it right now, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with all that down, let's now move in and start taking your live comments and questions, shall we? And we're going to start getting things picked up here with a question from Suthius, who writes, This may speak to my sense of humor, but I lost it with Peacemaker's butt baby joke in the trailer. Uh, It's a ridiculous joke, but the way he delivered it with the sense of comedic timing, that joke was funny. He's becoming a comedic favorite of mine. Listen, I've said for a long time, I actually think John Cena, while not, I I still don't feel, I'm going to be very curious to see how he does in Peacemaker, because I still have not seen evidence to tell me he can lead a project, you know, uh, but I have liked him for a while. He has shown he's got some great comedic chops in supporting roles, but then he did, did you ever see uh, Blockers, Aaron? That was short for, for oh my God, I loved it. I didn't, I hated it. Well, no, no, no. Let, let, me, let me walk that back a bit. I didn't hate it, I, but I, I didn't think it was very good. And it kind of showed me that John Cena was not ready to lead, uh, be, be the main person to, to kind of carry a film. And even though I really do like him otherwise, but you really liked Blockers. Well, here's but then the again, thing. You love John Cena. 
see the way that you feel about Ryan Reynolds is the way that I feel about John Cena. John Cena can do no wrong. In fact, not here's how much John Cena can do no wrong. And, and I'm not saying that I that I love him because I because he's very handsome and he's very muscular. It's not about that. Like I just I feel like he is pure joy every time I see him, even when he's being a, a villain. I, 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 I just still, I love everything he does. I, I want him to succeed in everything. Maybe it's because of his Make a Wish Foundation. He, he, he's just a, he just seems like an all-around awesome human being to the point where my husband Tom, also a very good-looking and muscular man in his own right, said. To me, we were, you know, doing that thing that, you know, healthy married couples do where they go, hey, who's one person that you would divorce me for? Um, it's a great conversation. <laughs> if you're married, you should totally have that conversation part with your partner. I'm kidding. He actually said to me, he said, um, if you were if we were to get divorced and you dated John Cena, I think he'd be the only person that I'd go. Yeah, I get it. He goes, anybody else that you left me for, I'd be really, really mad. He goes, but if you left me for John Cena, I, I wouldn't be mad at that. I'd be like, okay, I, I get it. I get it. So I, so I just, I really, I love John Cena and everything. And because his presence on screen just fills my heart with joy, it's hard for me not to like something that he's in. And so I'm really biased. So I'm probably the wrong person to ask about it. I, I will say this for John Cena, though, too, is that, uh, I watched a while ago this like little documentary on the on WWE stuff. I'm always kind of fascinated by the real life of wrestlers and all the people in wrestling. Like a lot of people love John Cena, people hate John Cena. There's never been an athlete performer in the WWE who's ever done as much charity work as he has. I remember I was watching uh, Triple H talking about it, and he was like, "When this guy's not on the road performing." He's on the road going to hospitals around the country to visit children because they know him showing up in the room will make them smile. And he goes, this guy will get on a plane for a five hour flight to go see a sick kid because he heard the sick kid really likes him. Yeah. He's like, done more make a wish foundation appearances and and like uh, visits than anyone in the history of the make a wish foundation, which really pissed me off when I found out that you don't have to be terminal to get a Make-A-Wish visit because I was like, hold on, I had I cancer and no one told me that I could have gone to the Make-A-Wish Foundation and been like, hey, I really need John chemo if i knew that i could have gotten a visit from john cena but i had thought you had to i, I was they were like no make a wish foundation kids like a, a lot of them survive and i was like what the fuck i thought you had to be like legit dying like five minutes from you know saying adios before john cena came to visit no apparently you just have to like you know have be cancer really i was like hello so hey john cena i know that like i'm probably way too old for the make a wish foundation and I'm totally healthy now and I don't have cancer anymore. But if you could come visit me, I'll totally shave my head. <laughs> Which you did before. I did. Yes, you I, did. I did I have cancer. All right. Let's, let's move on here. Uh, that was Suthius. Next up, we got Dwayne Jackson who writes, 
Hello, John and friends. I'm a big Green Lantern fan. What is happening with the Green Lantern series and HBO Max? Almost for two years of waiting, we get an we get an animation reveal. What? Tell me, what is the problem? This is inexcusable. Am I the only one that noticed that? Well, uh, let's let's pump the brakes on. This is inexcusable. The studio doesn't owe you anything. <laughs> like no, like the studio does right. not. Like I'm wanting a Man of Steel too. I want Man of Steel 2 very badly, but to say that you haven't given me Man of Steel, this is inexcusable. Let's let's back up on a little bit on the entitlement, uh, just a touch, my brother Jane. But no, honestly, though, yeah, they I don't know what's going on with Green Lantern. And I did think it was a mistake at at DC Fandom. I won't go into the whole thing again, but yeah, it's a mistake. You know, a lot of people are tuning into DC Fandom to hopefully get some news on Green Lantern. Just. Talk to the audience about it. Say, you know what? We're still working very hard on developing this thing, bringing it to life and making it, it's starting to take shape for us. Like, even if you're very, very early in the process, just talk to the audience about it. You pump up this DC fandom event, like it's this big, big thing and you're telling all your DC fans to come and be a part of it and you don't give them shit. I mean, just talk to them about it. Say, hey, you know, we announced in 2018 that we're going to do Green Lantern or 2019. And ever since we have been like trying to get some of the best people to go over it and work it out. And we're still in that process. And we just know that we want to deliver a great Green Lantern project to you guys because you guys as our DC fans deserve this and blah. Just talk about it. Instead, they just were like the same thing they were on the Ezra Miller ch- choking a woman scene. Just shh. Shh. Mm-hmm. Nobody say anything. Shh. And they did the same thing. I and that to me was like dumb but then again it wasn't just green lantern on that it was a lot of things on that Dwayne. so we'll see what happens to that but i'm sure it's still gonna come i am sure it's still gonna come all right connor o'neill writes hey john and rob rob's not here today obviously a long time viewer slash first time tipper thank you connor for being here i would love to see a captain britain movie and given that kevin feige and marvel are splurging out on content do you see it as a film with real potential to get made if so what would you like to see now if i'm not mistaken if i'm not mistaken there were some rights things with captain britain i can't remember but look the bottom line is this they are in a content splurge right now Everything from all the movies coming out and then all the Disney Plus stuff as well. So I, let's put it this way. I've not heard anything, Connor, but I will say this. I would be surprised if by twenty the end of 2022, we don't at least hear about a Captain Britain project. I'll, I'll be surprised. There's just They just have a need for so much content right now. Too much, I'll be frank with you. MCU is producing too much content. It is. I'm sorry, guys. They are. They're producing too much content. Um, it hasn't bit them in the ass yet, but I think they're trying to do too much right now. That being said, them being in the mode of trying to produce as much as they can, Captain Britain's got to be on the burner at some point, Connor. So I'll be surprised if we don't hear something announced by the end of 2022. But that's that's not me telling you insider information. That's just me as a fan guessing. All right. Corey O writes. John, I'm getting really sick of the Battenson hate. The movie is not even out yet. Put aside how anyone feels about Twilight. The dude's a freaking great actor, and that's all I can ask for in my Batman slash Bruce Wayne. Anyway, love the show. Keep up the great work. I'll tell you what, though, Corey, and Aaron, I don't know if you've sensed this as well. Ever, like, yes, when they first announced Robert Pattinson was going to play Batman, understandably, 
you had a whole lot of people who don't actually watch a lot of movies. They watch some of the big blockbusters. So they never saw a lot of Robert Pattinson stuff that he's done since Twilight. And so their first reaction was, Twilight boy, they got Twilight boy to be Batman. I, I get it. I get who it. Who are these people and where do they live? You know, Twilight a, boy. Twilight boy. They got Twilight boy. But, and I, and I get it. If you never saw, if you never saw these incredible movies, these smaller incredible movies that Robert Pattinson has done since then, that's why when they announced them, I was like, oh God, this is a great casting. I mean, that wouldn't have been my number one fan choice casting, but getting Robert Pattinson I always just believe get the best talent you can. He's an incredible talent. And I'll tell you what, Corio, and Aaron, I don't know if you sent this either, but since that first announcement, I feel like people have done what they should do, which is, okay, fine. I got a lot of doubts about that getting Twilight, boy, but everybody's saying, oh, this movie's so good and, you know, High Life's so good. I, I Good time is so good. Okay, I'm going to go check it out. And I feel like a lot of people who are invested in DC have did the work of going and say, okay, let me check out a couple of these things. Or if they didn't watch the movies, they at least read up and saying, oh, so apparently he's actually gotten really great. And I'll be honest with you, Corey, I don't sense that much. I mean, it's still out there a little bit, but I don't sense this massive anti-Robert Pattinson thing because he was in twilight stuff as much anymore i feel like it's gotten better aaron you know from your perspective do you sense a lot of that this anti robert pattinson stuff right now or do you feel like that that's lessened a bit no i think it's absolutely lessened i don't think it's actually a thing at all anymore i mean there's always with the announcement of any new batman there's always going to be the hate we had the hate when it was ben affleck we had i mean even if they were to say that um um, oh my gosh, Beetlejuice. Michael Keaton. The original Batman. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. If Even if they were to say, Michael Keaton is the new Batman and we'll be playing Batman for the next three films, there would be people that would be like, he's too old and why is he playing? But there would be people that would be thrilled. There's always going to be, that is, putting on the bat, <laughs> the bat cape, it, it, it's, you just gotta get ready for the hate. But then as we started seeing pictures being released, as we started, you know, as people started be, familiarizing themselves with Robert Pattinson's work outside of Twilight. Yeah, I think that people have generally accepted him um, as the new Batman. And and that there seems to be a lot of enthusiasm actually yeah. around that. I don't I feel like that's kind of a dated perspective. And also I was trying to I was like, where is that, where is what is that reminding me of? It's the Pepperidge Farm guy from Family Guy. Pepperidge Farm? That's what you were doing. That's the voice that you were doing. I can't remember the that. Twilight boy. Twilight boy. The Twilight boy voice that John just did is very similar to the Pepperidge Farm guy from uh, Family Guy. That's what that. That's another reason why it was making me laugh so much. So now I'm gonna um, have to go I feel look like it up. That's like your nerd voice. If your nerds were in the were like living in the world of Deliverance. Yeah, it's, it's basically, I was going to say, it's still the guys, just think of the guys from Deliverance try, finding exactly. out that Robert Pattinson is playing Batman. That's probably exactly how they were. Okay, let's move on here. Next up, uh, Bob from Marketing writes, Hey, John, we all know the decision to release Dune on HBO Max is disastrous for box office, but it will also allow it to be seen by more of the casual audience. Do you think if it does get a sequel, it will benefit from the casual moviegoer? Um, no. 
Look, I, I, I've looked at this every which way, west, north, south. It, this is nothing but a stupid move. It has not turned out well for their streaming service. Their growth rate has not been that much higher than what their growth rate trajectory was already on before they made this move. This is nothing but a bad move. And I am going to go see it later today. Uh, it is my most anticipated film of the year, but no, I don't think this is going to benefit it at all. Uh, Joey LK writes, John, with a potential Joker 2 on the horizon, how likely is it that they that DC will combine the Pattinson Batman verse with the Phoenix Joker Batman verse? Listen, I very rarely like to use the term zero, but I'll use that here. Zero. Uh, it sure seems like a good fit given the tone of both movies. Imagine this Joker versus this Batman. Well, there's a couple reasons why I say absolute zero. The main thing about it is that Joaquin Phoenix would never do it. Joaquin Phoenix would never do it. Uh, and the director would never do it. That they, That is not what they made that Joker movie for at all, to become a part of a grand franchise and blah, blah, blah. Not to mention, it just doesn't make any sense age-wise. I mean, you'd be literally talking about a Joker that would be in his 70s um, at that point, so that doesn't make sense. There's no way Joaquin Phoenix would do it. There's no way the director would do it. I don't think there's any way Matt Reeves would allow that to happen. They created these things to be their own independent things. I don't see them crossing it over. Now, just because I'm saying it's zero doesn't mean that's what'll happen, right? Just like say, I can predict who I think is going to win the football game on Sunday, and maybe I'll be right, but maybe I'll be wrong. We'll find out. But I, yeah, I, I think there is zero, zero, zero chance that we're going to see uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker crossover. I just don't see it happening in any world, universe, multiverse, or otherwise. All right, next up, we got Rhett Proctor who writes, me and my dad have always been more of DC and Batman fans, and I've been since uh, since since Batman 89. We never miss a new Batman movie. Well, we are going to go see the Batman in IMAX next March, but also the Flash in IMAX as well. Both deserve to be seen on the big screen. Well, listen, man, I, I think all movies deserve to be seen on the big screen, but particularly bigger you know, set piece kind of movies absolutely need to be seen on the big screen. And I hope you have a good time when you go see those, right? And I hope they both turn out as good as we hope they'll be. All right. Uh, Gazarama writes, new catchphrase for you, John, bring on the stabby stabby. So you weren't here for that, Aaron, but I was talking yeah. about, oh. um, I was talking about uh, Halloween the okay. other day. I was talking about Halloween and I was talking about, like, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the new Halloween. I love the 2018 Halloween. I didn't like the new Halloween. I was just talking about, okay, so we get this scene, that, and you get stabby, stabby. And I've gotten so <laughs> many messages from people that, you know, for a long time, people have always written to me and ended it with bring on the filthy. I've been getting a lot of messages the last week or so of ending with stabby, stabby, or bring on the stabby, stabby. It. So it's... Yeah, it's Tom of, went and saw Halloween Kills as well, and he was think? really disappointed. He was, and I said, that's such a bummer. I, I, I said, but I thought that, you know, I said, I, I loved the previous one, and I thought it was going to be great. I was really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I was I was pretty bummed that Tom didn't like it, but it uh, seems to be that his opinion is not dissimilar to the general consensus out there. So he didn't like it that much either. I'm kind of, no. I, I, it's kind of weird. I kind of thought maybe he would. I thought maybe he would. Okay. You know, uh, he re he said that he he didn't like the fact that he said that the the last one really focused so much on Jamie Lee Curtis's character and that that really is the story that Michael Myers is just going to keep coming back. Um wait, am I mixing up my horror movies? <laughs> Michael Myers. No. Yeah. 
You're, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. That Michael Myers is going to keep coming back to kill her. And that until she's dead, he's just not going to stop. And that his main goal is to kill her. And her main goal is to kill him. And that, uh, and, and you can clarify this if you feel like it, but I guess that storyline sort of deviated and they tried to make it more about some of, about maybe the granddaughter or some of the other characters that were wonderful as supporting characters, but it's really Jamie Lee Curtis's movie. Um, and that she wasn't as much of the main focus as she was in the last film. And he said he didn't like that. He just said it, it deviated too much from the actual story. But he's also, he's a purist. You know, he's one of those that's like, <laughs> like did he like the 2018 <laughs> one? Away. Did you huh? like the 2018 one? Did you like the yeah, last one? Yeah, we loved it. We both yeah, loved it. Yeah, I, I love that one too. And I and I don't like the other Halloween films. I don't like even the original. I don't even like the original Halloween. But I like that one, so uh, it was surprising. All right, let's keep going here. Next up, we've got Golden Boots Pappy writes, Marvel watched DC fandom and saw the Golden Boots and automatically pushed back the release dates for this momentous occasion. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't help but laugh a lot. It's like, hey, we're not going to show you the Flash Season 8 trailer. We'll wait till after DC fandom. But hey, guys, Flash's boots are going to be gold-colored. Woo! And then, of course... Like 48 hours later, Marvel moves, moves their entire release date schedule just to avoid the golden boots. All right, next up, Michael Bundy writes, Hey, John, I apologize if you've talked about this before, but have you had a chance to check out Heels on Stars? If so, what did you think? It's my favorite show of the year so far. Keep up the awesome content. I have not. I have still not started watching Heels. Uh, I am going to, though. I'm absolutely 100% going to. Stephen Amell stars in it. I'll always give everything Stephen Amell's in a shot. I, I think the guy's really great. Uh, but I have not had a chance to start watching it yet. So not yet. I will let you guys know once I've had a chance to check it out, though. For those of you who don't know, it's basically revolving around the world of professional wrestling and a family business. It also stars uh, one of the main guys from Vikings. Uh, the guy who plays um, the main... Oh, what's the main character's name in uh, Vikings again? Uh, uh, Ragnar. Ragnar Lothbrok. So he plays... His heels co-stars the guy who played Ragnar's son. I think his name was Bjorn in it. And, oh, DGMC saying Alexander Ludwig. Yes, that is the actor's name. That is the actor's name. Alexander Ludwig, who played Bjorn, Bjorn Ironside. And, and I really liked him in that. So I hope I like it when I get a chance to see it. But I have not watched it yet, but I will soon. All right. Milo writes, do HBO shows premiere on TV before they're added to HBO Max? No, I do not believe they are. No. I'm asking because I was wondering if shows uh, make more money by being shown on TV networks or by streaming. Uh, Game of Thrones used to be a huge weekly event with everyone watching live on TV at the same time. No, actually, Milo, that's incorrect. Because yeah, they watched it streaming. Yeah, it with the moment, because here's the thing. If you try to watch it on TV, you had to watch it whenever it aired in your time zone, I believe. But when it was on streaming, what would happen is they would put it on HBO streaming when the first airing of it was happening on HBO, the network. So yeah, there was no delay. So with Game of, because I remember, because me and our friend Kaori, a couple other friends, we would get together to watch Game of Thrones and it was always immediately on streaming and not uh, waited for that. Did you have the same experience, Aaron? Well, <clears throat> with Game of Thrones, so when Tom and I first started dating, he said that in order for this to work, I'm gonna need to catch you up on Game of Thrones. Um, because I didn't have HBO. And so he re-watched the first four seasons of Game of Thrones 
which was great for me because he was able to, when he would sort of see my eyes glaze over, he would pause it and go, okay, so this person is that person's dad and this person and that person are brother and sister, but they were having sex, their brother and sister. And he was able to explain to me, because there, there's a lot of storylines going on. And especially for the first couple episodes, it can get pretty, pretty wonky. And it was great fun for him because knowing what was coming up, he was able to strategically position his cell phone and videotape all of my reactions to things such as the Red Wedding. Um, so he got your reaction to Red Wedding? How come I've not seen this? Oh, it is... It is. I've got to see this. It is brutal. It is brutal. I mean, I started crying. I I left the. I ran out of the room, flopped face down on the bed, and just started wailing and and screaming. I hate this show. I hate this show. This is awful. How could they do that? Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't. I don't know if he still has it. That may have been one of those. Uh, one of those videos that I found his password to his phone and went in and just pressed delete. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, so he actually. Um, I don't. I don't know if we watched it like in real time. We were like back and forth between New York and LA a bunch, so we weren't. We didn't ever have any Game of Thrones viewing parties, but. Um, yeah, and my well, friend John Campia never invited me to any of his viewing parties, but I heard that they were great fun. Find find that video. I want to watch it. I desperately, des- it. I desperately want that thing would break the internet. All right, let's keep going here. Um, Neo uh, Braveheart writes, I can't speak for the members of IATSE, but the most important thing to me wouldn't be uh, breaks or shorter wor- uh, work hours. It would be my ability to afford a life for myself and or my family. A 3% yearly pay increase is an absolute joke in my opinion. Well, I mean, that's fine, but you're you're not them. No, you, you don't that's know. bullshit. You don't know their, their circumstances or, or what it is. And listen, you may think Breaks and shorter work hours may not be a lot until you work two or three 16-hour days in a row. And at that point, you start to realize when you're not seeing your kid and you're not seeing your spouse and you're not getting enough sleep and and your, your back is starting to ache and all that kind of stuff, you may think, oh, it's not a big deal for me to work 17 hours, 17 hours, 16 hours, 15 hours, 17 hours in a week. That's not a big deal. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is. And that's why when you talk to a lot of the people in IATSE, they're like, yeah, the hours are crazy. The turnaround time was too small. It was kind of a big deal. I don't know, Aaron, what's your reaction to that? That is the, sorry, no offense. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard because it doesn't matter if you have more money to spend taking care of your family if you don't have a family to take care of. And most of these people who are married or who are just married or just have children, they don't have a family because they don't ever get to see their family. You know, when you're working Friday days and what a Friday mean means is that you've worked so late on Thursday night that there has to be the obligatory turnaround time for actors because that is in our contracts. Um, And there's a, I mean, people have to sleep, of course, at some point that you're not starting your day until three in the afternoon on Friday. So then you're working until three in the in in the morning on Saturday and then you're a complete zombie because you're sleeping the entire Saturday and you're missing your kids soccer games and you're missing birthday parties. You're not there to wake up with your kids and send them off to school and you're not there to, you know, tuck them in at night. These people, I mean, the the spouses of crew people 
talk about how they have an, you know, absentee spouses, because yeah, occasionally they might see them in passing, but they never see them at home. I mean, it's no way to live. And, and it is breaking these people. They don't have time to go to the doctor. They have to use the onset medic as their primary care physician. You know, there's people literally dying on set, dying on set. I mean, if you are not going to IOTC, I believe it's IOTC underscore stories on Instagram and reading the absolutely horrendous tales of people in the crew. I mean, I've known as an actor my entire career that the crew is the first one there, the last ones to leave. And they are working nonstop every hour in between. And most likely, for most of them, getting way underpaid and putting up with a lot of garbage and not having the ability to say something and speak out against, speak out about it. Um, you know what? I, I want... Uh, my, my friend and I uh, went to see my friend I, um, Amanda Klutz. She's on Dancing with the Stars, and we went to a live taping this week to support her. And every crew person that I saw, I stopped and said, solidarity with IATSE, solidarity with IATSE. And they were all so appreciative of just the sheer mention of it because, you know, for way too long, um, our crew people have been absolutely taken for granted, underpaid, and shit on. Um, not just by producers, but also by actors. I've probably made some big missteps in my day as well. And so I think that it's it, it's high time that um, that IATSE fight for those things because you know what? When they win, the entire industry wins and the entire industry needs a major rehaul, starting with treating people like human beings who have lives. And if you're only working to make money and you're not working to be with the things that are the, to be with what's important, which is family, then what's the point? Sorry. That's my soapbox. I'll. All right. Next up. Uh, we go to uh, Portera three, one, six writes. Thank God I worked on Saturday instead of taking off to watch the DC fandom disaster. Cannot wait for discovery merger to be done. I know. I, I think really good things are ahead for Warner brothers. Once, uh, Zaslav, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Anyway, the, the, the CEO of Discovery. Once Discovery takes over, I think some very good things are going to happen there. Uh, Major Tom writes, Hey, John, it's amazing how quickly Robert Pattinson has become one of my favorite actors. Like Leonardo DiCaprio, I didn't think too much of him as an actor, but he has since proved me wrong, and I can't wait to see the Batman. Bring it on, baby. You know, Major Tom, you're a good example of what we were just talking about, that more and more people, since the announcement of Robert Pattinson, decided, says, okay, you know what? Let me check out what everybody's talking about. Let's see all this work he's done since Twilight. And then they're realizing, holy shit, this cat can really act. Oh, my God, he's good. There's a reason Christopher Nolan went out of his way to cast Robert Pattinson in his last movie. There's a reason why actors are lining up to work with this guy right now. He's really that good. I mean, it's all subjective, not going to be for everybody, but I'm glad you enjoy Major Tom. Russell Amador writes, Hey, John, the Batman trailer was truly epic, and I cannot wait for March 4th, but something even more epic is happening that day that will put the Batman in the back seat. My wife and I are expecting our little guy to arrive that day, March 4th, for the win. I, okay, Yay. Russell, listen, listen. You got my back up a little bit when you said something more important is happening on Batman getting release day, and I was getting my back up a little bit. <laughs> I was. But I will, okay, I'll give you that one. That You, you win that one. Yes, congratulations, Russell, to, to you and your family with the addition to it coming. I hope everything goes smooth as silk, and uh, congratulations on that, Russell, Russell Amador. Uh, good man. But 
you know, if your wife goes into labor, ask the doctor, like, is this going to be one of those long labors? And if he says, yeah, right. you Can got I, about like, four or five hours. The theater? Yeah, there's no point just sitting in a waiting room. Sneak off to the movie theater, come back, and then you'll have a great, your wife will thank you that you'll have a great story about the Batman movie when you come back. Don't take marriage advice from me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That said, uh, Sam Brown writes, John, Apple announced the new M1 Pro and Mac and, uh, and Macs, MacBooks, and they look like iPad Pros with keyboards attached. What are your thoughts? Um, Aaron, I, I know you don't follow the tech stuff quite as closely as, as I do, but yeah. So Anne, Anne had her big Apple announcement event um, the other day. And I have not stopped drooling since. These new MacBooks, I am honestly concerned. You got to understand, I've got an eight-core i9, 32 gigs of RAM, uh, a 2070 uh, NVIDIA card. Um, I've got a beast of a, of a desktop machine that I use to run my whole thing. I am honestly considering throwing it out and getting one of these MacBooks and running my entire operation off one of these MacBooks. You're kidding. Oh, no. Oh, no. The the stats in these things, I'm, I'm not kidding when I say my mouth is drooling. Like, I want one of these so bad. The only thing I'm waiting for is I'm waiting for the actual reviewers to get their hands on it because the specs they gave at the Mac event are mind-boggling. Absolute, because I have an M, just the regular M1 MacBook Air, and it is the most powerful laptop I have ever had. Like I've is done, that the one that I have? Yes, you got the same one. So I have done video editing in DaVinci Resolve, and the render times in it aren't quite as fast as my eight core i nine machine here, but they rival the rendering time render times. On my like four thousand, well, I mean, it wouldn't be worth four thousand dollars today. But when I bought the whole thing, that four thousand dollar machine, that nine hundred dollar laptop I had is was rendering out videos almost as fast as my desktop. And these new M1 Pro, but more importantly, the M1 Max chips are like triple the speed of the M1s with like four times the graphic cores, uh, with uh, with a far more uh, you know, Lightning 4, USB 4, it's just, it's crazy. And I am honestly thinking about just taking out the box, taking out my my computer, setting the MacBook on and plugging everything into it and running everything off that MacBook. But I need to hear some critics talking about it first because the one I want is not going to be cheap. The one I want that's almost fully maxed out is going to cost me four grand. Now, of course, Anne gets me a very significant discount on that so it's going to cost me less than that but the the sticker price on it would be four grand but for what i need to have done it is tempting i am telling you i am very very tempted i may buy that machine we'll we'll see let's get them super chats in we got to raise four thousand dollars and john needs a new computer i i don't my listen i'm i'm infamously very very cheap but I will spend money on my business. No, 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 no. I will say this. I, as your friend, because my, because Tom is also, Tom could be considered that C word that you just used. But no, I think that there's a big difference between being frugal and being cheap. You are a very generous individual. 
and you spend money where it counts. But you don't, you know, you don't spend money like you don't go out and buy designer clothing. You know, no. Tom and I are the same way. We spend our money where it counts, where it matters. I don't mind spending a lot of money on, you know, a new computer. Why? Because this is what I do all of my work on. I don't mind spending extra money to buy the latest iPhone. Why? Because I do all of my self tapes on my iPhone. So for me, it's a business expense and it's important. So I'm willing to spend the money on that. But no, do I need a Birkin bag? Absolutely not. Do I need to wear a pair of Louboutin shoes? No, I do not. So I think that, so I, I want you to get the word cheap out of your vocabulary. You are frugal. Okay, I am frugal. And you spend money where it counts. Yes, I will. I will definitely spend money on on the business and things like that. By the way, I, I just want to throw out there because I have uh, I missed it at first, but a, a number of you guys have been sending in Super Chat badges in the live chat. I just want to shout you guys out. Kevin Cow sent in a Super Chat badge, as did Thrusher Pro sent in a Super Chat badge, BK Dan sent in a Super Chat badge. All you guys have been sending in Super Chat badges. Thank you so much for that, guys. We appreciate the support. All right, let's get one more in here while we still have Aaron with us. And we will do uh, Ram, but at McDM David writes, John, thanks for letting me rant a few months ago about me searching for a new job. I finally got it. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. I'm happy and thanks for keeping me company throughout that miserable time. Dude, listen, I am always amazed and honored and privileged when a lot of you guys, especially over the COVID period, when everybody was struggling with a lot of different things and how many of you guys have written in and said that, you know, watching this show with the rest of the community here has helped get you through that. And that means a lot to me. So thank you so much for sharing that, uh, Mick David. So, and uh, here's to a new NHL season, my friend. All right. Uh, Ram uh, also writes in, uh, here's what the DC fandom was missing, a vision of where my favorite universe is going. Yeah, I, I mean, I could go on and on about this a lot, but that's the thing. Rob, Rob, Rob and I talked about this yesterday. What was the point of DC fandom? Like last year, you watched it. It's like, I know what this was for, right? It was great. This year was a disaster. And at the end of it, you're just like, what was even the point of this? What were they trying to do? They didn't give us a vision for their future. They didn't even talk about uh, talk about their projects. They showed us some small stuff. They showed us golden boots and Cam Newton's hats. And it was just, I just don't get the point of it, Ram. I really didn't at all. All right, Nosferatu writes, uh, by the way, uh, Ryan Nichols and uh, Harry uh, Valia send in super chat badges in the live chat. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that very much. All right. Nosferatu writes, a good example of how a comedy film can get away with a messy story and mediocre characters is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It fails on every level in terms of filmmaking, but it is one of the greatest comedies of all time. I love that. So, Aaron, what he's talking about here is I say on this show a lot, like there are two very unique genres in horror and comedy where you can do almost everything wrong in a horror movie you can do you can have questionable acting you can have a ridiculous script you can have very questionable directing but if at the end of the day you figure out a way to make the audience scared or freak them out people will walk out smiling same thing with a comedy you can have you can do everything wrong in a comedy but if you made the audience laugh you win. And I think Nosferatu just gave a great example of that in Monty Python and Quest of the Holy Grail. It's a ridiculous plot. It's ridiculous writing. But you laugh your ass off from start to finish. And I think that's a great example. Can you think of any examples off the top of your head of 
a movie that like either horror or comedy that may not be the strongest really in terms of how a movie should be made, but it accomplished that one thing and that made the movie work. Well, I think that that's one of the wonderful things about uh, just um, that's why I love satire films. You right. Know? Right. Because, I mean, if you wrote Spaceballs down on paper, I mean, Spaceballs is absolutely probably. of That's another great the- example. Yes. Yeah. And, and it is really my favorite of all the Star Wars films. I think if I were to line up all the Star Wars films together, Spaceballs would absolutely be be tops for me. Um, you know, namely because there's not as much sand as the other ones. Uh, but no, I, I think that a lot of times, I mean, and, you know, and then we have the marriage of the two with Scary Movie and the entire Scary Movie franchise. And, you know, Scary Movie wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but it... Um, uh, it, it, I, I just I, I love satire movies in general. And I think that Monty Python, even though it was a comedy, I feel like it also what made it so smart was that it knew when it was being bad. If you're in on the joke, then I think that that really helps. And that's one of the things that really works for Monty Python is that uh, they knew they, they knew what they knew when they were being bad. You know, like Rihanna. She's so bad. She's good. I grow we read. All right, Aaron, thanks a lot for being here today. We appreciate it. Uh, In the meantime, before we have you back on again, and there's Joey, of course, where can people follow you and Joey online? Oh, you can come visit us on Instagram at Aaron L. Cummings. Or if you would like to talk to my reps, my new reps that I just got yesterday, you can contact them at Atlas Artists and at Pakula King. All right. We got a new agent. Say hi to Joey. I haven't seen Joey in a while. Should, I know, I know. We need to make a trip out to Corona and come yeah. visit you. All right, we? we'll talk yeah, to you guys later. See- yes, you Bye. should. All right, we'll talk to you there. Have a good one, Aaron. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Cummings and, of course, Joey Bishop. And Aaron will be, of course, back next week. All right, let's keep on rolling here, guys. We've still got some time. Let's get through some more of your questions here. Next up, we got Robin Birth by Alfred writes, All actors who have played Alfred are great in their own way. Alan Napier, Michael Caine, Jeremy Irons, Douglas Hodge, Michael Gow, Sean uh, uh, Pertwee, and Jack Bannon. Welcome, Andy Serkis. Honorable mention to Ephraim Zim... Zim Ballast uh, Jr. who voiced him in Batman the Animated Series. Quick guys in the live chat. What, which one of those guys was the one who played Alfred in Gotham? If you guys can help me out in the live chat with that. Was it Jack Bannon? No, no. J- Jack Bannon is the one in the Alfred series, is he not? Maybe that's the one. Who's, I can't remember. Who's the one that played Alfred in the Gotham TV series? Uh, Pertree. Pertwee, you guys are saying, Sean Pertwee. I really, he was, listen, I think I can honestly say, other than the dude who played Gordon himself, because I thought the guy who played Commissioner Gordon or, or, you know, Detective Gordon, whatever, was really good. Uh, Aside from that, I thought the the, the dude who played Alfred in that, uh, Pertwee, was awesome. I thought that Alfred character was fantastic. I really, really did. And I, overall, I'm not a big fan of that Gotham show. Like, it was hit and miss. It was great when it focused on the Gotham City Police Department and Gordon. When it tried to get into the, ooh, look, everybody, it's little boy Batman. When it focused on that, I felt the show went right off the rails. But the one exception to that was the guy who played Alfred. I thought he was fantastic in that. Anyway, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Andy Serkis. That's the eighth the eighth in the live chat says, I can't wait for Andy Circus's Alfred. Me too. I'm totally on board for Andy Circus's Al- Alfred. All right, next up. Uh, Joseph L. writes, 
Hey, John, I just heard that Mel Brooks is working on History of the World Part 2 for Hulu. I also heard recently about an animated movie in the works called Blazing Samurai. As a longtime Mel Brooks fan, I am extremely excited for both of these. Yeah, listen, I'll be honest. I'm not quite sure. Because I, look, I want to be careful what I can and can't say. I, somebody had told me that they're really just using Mel Brooks's name and he's not actually going to be doing much on this. Now, maybe they're right and maybe they're wrong, but I was so, I I was so kind of torn by that, that I decided not to cover it as an issue on the show yesterday because I did hear about it and it's, it does hear, it does sound quite interesting. But, but then I heard from somebody that said that he's actually not going to be doing much. They're really just using his name. Now, again, I'm not going on record with that, and I'm not going to make that a title of a segment because I, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, I, I wasn't the one there. I don't know Mel Brooks, so I don't know anything. But it, let's at least say for now I'm intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued, Joseph. Uh, and by the way, uh, let's see. Uh, Peter Cunnington sent in a super chat badge in live chat. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate that, man. Okay, let's keep things going here. Next up, we've got Matt Fitch who writes. Uh, there he is. Hey, John. Uh, was one of the first to write in about Squid Game. Thank you so much so much for that. So I got another one for you. Again, sorry if you already talked about it, but check out the miniseries Made on Netflix. Such a powerful show. Margaret Qualley's performance is nothing short of amazing. I'm not going to lie to you, Matt. I've never even heard of it. Actually, I can take these headphones off. I've never even heard of it. Surprise, surprise. Netflix doesn't properly market one of their own shows. But I have not heard of this thing. So I'll keep my eye open for it. Though, by the way, Matt tipped in like $20 to support the channel. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that, man. If any of the rest of you guys have heard about this or if you would recommend it as well, add your voices to Matt's and add it to the recommendation list. So thanks for putting that on my... Again, I've never heard of it, Matt, but you've just put it on my radar. So thank you so much for that. All right. Next up. Uh, oh my Josh X 12 writes, Is it just me or did anybody get Darth Vader vibes from the Batman trailer? We talked about that ourselves. Music, tone like Imperial March, gun flash tunnel versus Rogue One killing fools, overall menacing tone, not exactly the same, but just the vibe. Thanks for all you do. Forever a fan. Bring on the filthy. Well, thank you so much for that. Oh, my Josh. Listen, I said we talked about this the other day. The thing that I loved most about this Batman trailer was the fact that they told it from a perspective that showed what Batman was to the criminal in Gotham. Batman to the criminal in Gotham is a living manifestation nightmare. He's Jason Voorhees. He's Michael Myers. He's Freddy Krueger. He's the boogeyman. He's that horror movie guy that no matter how many axes you hit him with, he keeps walking forward, chasing you through the forest. And that's the sense that I got that they were kind of almost showing the trailer from the criminal's point of view. And that's the way they ended it with Penguin, like blowing him up. going, I got you. I got you. Just like, you know, in horror movies where the hero thinks they've killed the big serial killer only to the they sit back up. Right. And he's like, I got you. I got you. And then you see the Batmobile come through the flames anyway, flip him over. And then you see it from Penguin's upside down perspective with this horrific music playing. That was just awesome. And you see the feet walking closer and closer. He's the boogeyman. He's the nightmare. If you're a criminal in Gotham, he's Jason Voorhees and he's coming to get you. And I loved that. 
I loved it. It felt so good. I cannot wait to watch this movie. All right, next up. Dangerous D writes, Hey, John, DC Universe can boast one thing Marvel doesn't have. They have different live-action versions of characters, either on TV or either on movies and TV. We have three different Batman, three Flashes, two Supermen, two Jokers, but literally thousands of characters. Why not use most of them? Well, look, just because you have a character doesn't mean you think they're going to make a good TV show or movie that the audiences would be attracted to them. Right? It's like, oh, hey, we got this character. Um, you know... Uh, what what do you call him? I don't know. Uh, the Puberty Hair Avenger. Okay, we've got a character called the Puberty Hair Avenger. Wonderful. He's got this ability where he can change his voice and shoot strings of oddly textured hair out of his fingertips. Puberty Hair Avenger. Okay, great. Well, just because you have him uh, doesn't mean that you make a movie out of him or that you think it would actually turn out to be good. Right? It doesn't necessarily mean that it works. So yes, they have tons and tons and tons of characters, but that doesn't mean that you can't be, um, that you that you still don't have to be choosy about what do you think will actually work. And so that's something they got to be careful of. They got to be careful of that. So lean into what works, experiment a little bit, but you can't just throw the floodgates open and movie, make a movie about anything or anybody. You got to still be a little bit picky. All right, next up. Uh, Dangerous D also writes, Hey, John, Sylvester Stallone has announced that he's stepping down the Expendables franchise and handing the reins over to Jason Statham. Is this a surprise? This is a surprise to me because this is his creation. Now the question, is it a good idea for Stallone to step down and hand it to Jason? Well, I mean, I don't really know what that means. Like, Stallone has said for years that he sees the emphasis of Expendables transitioning from his character to Jason Statham's character. He said that for a long time, that Jason Statham's character is the heir apparent to the Expendables. So, I'm, and by the way, I hear that this new Expendables movie that they're shooting is going to have more emphasis and focus on Jason Statham's character. So that's not a surprise. In saying things like he's handing it over to Jason Statham, I don't know if that means he's like, Jason Statham is now going to be the producer and writer of the... I, I, don't, I think Stallone will probably be involved in that. I don't know off the top of my head, but he's probably still going to be the driving creative force behind it. But yeah, it sounds like they're going to make Statham the central figure and central character. And, and you know, that kind of makes sense. Sylvester Stallone is now... Well, hold on a second. Okay, Google. How old is Sylvester Stallone? I think he's 72. He's 75. So Stallone is now 75. So is he going to still be in Expendables when he's pushing 80? I I don't know. It seems like probably is a good time to start. If you want the Expendables to keep going, it sounds like it might be the time to start transitioning that. Because remember, Stallone isn't playing a CGI superhero where you can hide him in body armor and, and CGI doing action and stuff like that. Like if he was... If, he was playing an old Batman. There's still a lot you can get away with, but he's playing a regular human dude in a military sort of thing. It's probably time. It's probably time to pass that on. All right. Next up the Uzi writes. Um, yes, a 70 year old Michael Keaton can start a new era of the DCU as Batman. If they do Batman beyond, eh, uh, you know, look, I, I know everybody hates it when I say it, but the reality is this. Nobody cares about Batman beyond. Um, Batman Beyond is a small but loyal segment of the fan base that really like Batman Beyond, and that's great. Nobody else gives a shit about Batman Beyond. Nobody cares. I watch it, and I don't care. 
Um, but that said, I always have to temper that by admitting that I thought the same thing about Miles Morales. Now, I thought Miles Morales was still a better story than than um, than uh, Batman Beyond. I keep for, I keep forgetting the the kid the, the name of the character who is Batman and Batman Beyond. It's some I think it's like an Irish name. I keep forgetting the name of him. Anyway. But I still thought Miles Morales, like Terry McGinnis is his name. I knew it was like an Irish name. Terry McGinnis is the character's name. But um, I always thought the Miles Morales story was still better. But I never, I thought the same thing about Miles. I, nobody's going to care about Miles Morales. Peter, Spider-Man is Peter Parker is Spider-Man is Peter Parker, right? But then you get this other universe thing. And then Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse came out. And I fell in love with that movie. And it was at that point that I started going, well, you know what? If you take the same principle, then maybe, just maybe, a Batman Beyond in an animated form could work with a large, larger audience. Because if it could for Miles Morales, maybe it can for Taylor McGinnis as well. I still think it's a harder sell. Like nobody in the average movie going audience. Like if, if, if again, I said this before the other day, I'll say it again. If you get, if I go to the AMC Burbank 16 tonight, if I drove into Burbank, went to the AMC Burbank 16 and waited outside and interviewed 200 film fans coming out of their random movies, and I asked them, do you know who Terry McGinnis is? Maybe one out of 200 will say, oh, isn't that the the new Batman and Batman Beyond? Maybe one out of every 200 would say that. That's my guess. I can't prove that because I'm not about to go to AMC Burbank 16 and do that, but that's my guess. Batman is more of a sacred cow and Bruce as Batman, I think is more of a sacred cow. So I don't know. You never know, but I just don't think there'd be an audience. I don't think a real legitimate sized audience would be there if you did a Batman beyond. Um, I, but I, again, I kind of thought fully admit, I kind of thought the same thing about miles Morales and look how that turned out. Now I'm one of the biggest fans. So who knows? Who knows? All right, next up. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Mark, Badalotto writes, Hey, John, did you ever get around to seeing Dear Evan Hansen? Thoughts? Big fan of the stage. Now and love the movie. I've seen it six times. Yes, Ben Platt looks weird, but his performance is terrific. And overall, I really enjoyed the movie as a whole. You know what? I was so excited for this movie and I didn't go see it. I just, I, I just, everything became too much of a sideshow with it. Like, first of all, I heard from a bunch of friends of mine who saw it before I was about to see it and none of them liked it. That's not true. It's not that none of them liked it, but most of them didn't like it. And then the whole sideshow distraction about Ben Platt's age and blah, blah. And I'll be honest with you. It just between the negative reviews from the people I know and then the whole sideshow shirt circus revolving around the age of him and all that kind of stuff. It killed all my enthusiasm for the movie. It just killed all my enthusiasm. And then like I'd be faced with the decision. Do I go and see Dear Evan Hansen or do I stay home and watch the first episode of Foundation? Do I go see Dear Evan Hansen? Or do I go see Shang-Chi another time? Do I go see Dear Evan Hansen? Or do I heat up the pool and you know hang out with Anne for the evening? And everything just started feeling like a better use of my time than seeing Dear Evan Hansen. And it's unfortunate because you guys know I was excited about the movie. I really liked the trailers. But then all my enthusiasm for it just kind of got... Uh, Got sucked away. Got completely sucked away. All right, next up. We got uh, Shiv Patel, who writes, 
I think Pattinson is shaping up to be the perfect Batman from what we have seen in the trailer so far. Be very, very careful about statements like that. You've only seen a trailer. Trailers don't give us the whole story, but I'm just saying be careful with that. I think it looks great too, but let's... Let's let's rein in the whole he's going to be the perfect Batman. Let's rein that in a little bit. All right, from what we've seen in the trailer so far. But my one question is how good of a Bruce Wayne can he portray? So far, we've seen little of Bruce Wayne in the trailers. What do you think? Thanks and bring on the filthy. Well, it really depends on what kind of Bruce Wayne are they trying to portray? Right? Who is Bruce Wayne going to be in this? Because remember, every iteration, the filmmakers need to make their Joker or their Batman or their Bruce Wayne a little bit different from those that have come before, right? You want to make it a little bit different. So it's going to be hard to tell what kind of a Bruce Wayne is he when we don't even know what kind of Bruce Wayne the character is supposed to be yet. And so I think that is a great question. What kind of Bruce Wayne will he be? We'll find out. I mean, so first question is, what kind of Bruce Wayne is this movie trying to give us? And then we ask, how good does Robert Pattinson portray that Bruce Wayne that they're trying to give us? So there there are two points or two parts of the same question, really. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Let's see. Next up, uh, Leo Milmet writes, hello, John and gang. What color is your profile peacock on peacock? I honestly don't know. Uh, Is it chosen randomly? Uh, As a techie, techie, John, you'd know how to change it. I would know how to change it. Yeah. Oddly, my peacock is like Disney blue, uh, but I'd like personally prefer maybe a Halloween kill shade of orange peacock. You know what? I don't even notice. I just load up peacock when I'm going there to watch, you know, Parks and Rec or whatever. I load up peacock and I don't even notice what my profile thing is. I don't even notice. Oh, is that the one? You know what? I think that's one where Michael Scott is my profile picture. Yes. Yes, I take that back. I have, I did set it. It's a Michael Scott profile. That That's my, that's my little, uh, icon there when i load it up it says john and it's a picture of michael scott that's what i've got on there all right next up deep important questions all right leo also writes also john i saw and had fun with halloween kills despite disliking uh halloween 2018 see i'm totally opposite i love the 2018 didn't care so much for this one normally i'm as tough as tougher than critic consensus on most films but something about the 2021 version changed that i like dear evan hansen and halloween kills what's happening to me lol Here's what's happening, Milmet. All film is subjective. Movies are art, and as art, they hit us all in different ways. We all have different experiences with it. You can have 10 people standing around a piece of art hanging on a wall, and we're all seeing 10 different things. We're all seeing 10 different things. That's the beauty of film. So, yeah, you're going to like some films that I don't. I'm going to like some films that you don't. And that's perfectly okay. There's nothing, if you like, there's nothing wrong with you liking a movie. That's the experience you had with it. So, there's nothing wrong with you, Leo. Nothing wrong with you. All right, next up. Tony W. writes, Hey, John, I would like to back up Robert's X-Man theory with hard evidence. Oh, evidence. Okay. I love what people call evidence. In the first Iron Man movie, forget it. You just lost me. Sorry, Tony, you lost me already. In the first Iron Man movie, it's gone. You've lost already. Anyway, 
In the first Iron Man movie, there is an Easter egg for the Blackbird, which is evidence that Tony knows about the X-Men or maybe he worked on it. What do you think? No, absolutely zero. Absolutely zero for two different reasons. When they made the first Iron Man movie, they did not have the rights to the X-Men, nor did they ever think they were going to get them. Fox was not up for sale and at that time, it never looked like they would be up for sale. So that's an impossibility, number one. But number two is this. You do realize that the Blackbird is nothing more than a U.S. Air Force SR-71 Blackbird, right? Like, you know that, right? Like, the Blackbird in X-Men is actually just a real-life aircraft called the SR-71. That's a real-life aircraft, that's a real thing that is really in the U.S. Air Force. Um, and so seeing a Blackbird, it's like, oh, uh, I saw this movie and you saw an F-14 in it. That means this movie is connected to Top Gun. Well, no. In Top Gun, they use F-14s. I believe that's what Maverick flew was an F-14, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was an F-14. Um and just because they're using real-life aircraft like F-14s and something else does not mean they're shared. So, yes, the SR-71 Blackbird, the one that the X-Men use is a highly modified on the interior version of that. But, uh, yeah, just because we saw that, it, no, that, that is not evidence that the X-Men are already there. Not in the least. Not in the least. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up. Um, where are we going? Okay, there we are. Uh, but by the way, uh, Tony, that doesn't mean just because I don't think the SR 71 is evidence that the X-Men are already there. That doesn't mean that Rob's theory is wrong though. I mean, Rob's theory is as good as any theories that I've heard. So it could very well still be right. So you may be, you still may be right about that. Just not about the Blackbird, that's all. All right, Chicken Powder writes, maybe it's just me, but I love it when I hear news that a CEO taking a massive bonus while AMC was going under or dumb Disney CEO pissing over ScarJo's contract or a shitty DC fandom. Why? Because that... Because that's when we get the rare and legendary camp here rant. Roar. Yeah. I mean, don't even get me going on AMC's... Uh, AMC's CEO. Adam Aaron... What a clown that guy is. I, I, I mean, look, CEOs are human beings. Oops. CEOs are human beings. And human beings make mistakes. Human beings make mistakes. You make mistakes. The only difference between you making mistakes and other and like some celebrities or famous people making mistakes is that the world doesn't care that you make mistakes. The world isn't keeping have you under a microscope. The world doesn't have me under a microscope. You and I make mistakes every day. We do. We have we make mistakes every single day. The one with Adam Aaron at AMC, though. This this dude is a clown, in my opinion, um, of the highest order. Not only, and I'm, I'm not going to get too sidetracked here, but not only because while they were laying off 30,000 employees, he took a $9 million bonus while they were laying off thousands and thousands and thousands of people from their jobs. But they had money kicking around for a $9 million bonus for him that he took 
right there to me, that shows me you are so clueless and so out of touch. And if I was still working with AMC, I would find a way to get the fuck out of town, which I already did. But if I was still there, I would have found another way to get the fuck out of town because I would never trust that guy as the leader. I would never want to be a part of that organization. If you work for AMC, you should not feel the slightest bit of loyalty to that company because that company has no loyalty for you because they will lay you and everybody you work with off, but they'll still have $9 million to give as a bonus to this fucking clown of an AMC uh, CEO that they have. But then where it gets even worse, this is where it gets worse. This I couldn't believe, and I swear to God, I almost made a scene. I swear, I was this effing close to making a huge scene at CinemaCon. I didn't because I want to go back to CinemaCon, but I came this close to making a scene there because this clown, Adam Aaron, gets up on stage. And remember, AMC is my favorite movie theater chain. They really are. When I go to the movies, if I have a choice to go to an AMC theater or another theater, I go to AMC theaters. They're my favorite movie theaters. They still are. But at CinemaCon, this clown, Adam Aaron, gets on stage, and I swear to God, I wanted to stand up and yell something, but I didn't. And he gets up and says, oh, yeah, people said that uh, we were in trouble, but here we are today, and we are in the black, and we have money in our reserves. And I'm like, you fucking asshole. You're sitting up there taking credit for this when the only reason that AMC is still even afloat is because somebody memed your stock? It's because a bunch of guys on Reddit got together and say, let's artificially inflate the stock of AMC theaters. I'm not saying it's bad that they did that, but I'm just saying Adam Aaron's up there on stage like, oh, yes, under my leadership, uh, we saved AMC theaters. You fucking asshole. You didn't do shit to save that company. That company got saved because you got lucky that that the, somebody memed the stock and increased the stock and put tons of cash in AMC's coffers. That's what saved the company. While you were laying off tens of thousands of people and taking millions of dollars in bonuses for yourselves, you fell ass backwards into a big steaming pile of donkey crap luck and got saved by the stock market. But he stood up there as if, oh, yes, through our leadership and our great vision, we see you, stupid, donkleberry, fucktwit. Anyway, I, I've, uh, it's infuriating to me. And as corporate America does, corporate America loves to reward incompetence. Corporate America loves to reward incompetence. And uh, there it is. And yet, they're still my favorite movie theater chain. They are. I'm just being honest. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'll tell you straight up. They're still my favorite movie theater chain. And and there are still people working at, um, there are still people working at AMC theaters. Uh, I mean, a lot of people that were there when I was there have since moved on, but I still know a number of people who work there that I have the highest respect for. I really do. I don't, I don't want to throw the same blanket over everyone. There's still a lot of people there that I have a lot of respect for, but yeah, anyway, do, 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 do. Let's not make that the last question of the day. Let's, let's end on something more positive. Let's try to end on something a little more positive. Um, BK Dan writes, 
John and Rob, obviously Rob's not here today. Uh, today, 10-19-85 is not only the anniversary of the music video out of Norway. Aha. Anyway, it's also the start of the video rental chain Blockbuster, the chain to change the renting of videos across the country. God, I remember. See, for me, growing up in Canada, um, growing up in Canada, it was not... Blockbuster wasn't the chain. There were blockbusters in Canada, but the chain in Canada was Rogers Video. That was the big major chain, at least in the areas that I lived in, right? It was Rogers Video. Or you can substitute the name Blockbuster. But man, I'll tell you what, I loved, I would go every day. I used to love when me and my buddies would go to Rogers Video and we'd go and peruse the movies and pick out, because, you know, you know, get three you know, get two extras for free or whatever. And we would go and we would rent movies all time, head back to the house and just eat food, watch movies, you know, stuff like that. I used to love those or, you know, a a big date night. Everybody knew this at the time. For those of you who are over like 30 at the time, it was like a lot of date nights were let's go to Rogers video or blockbuster and let's go pick a movie to watch. Right. A lot of relationships ended over the arguments that would start up over theirs. But uh, yes, that, uh, that's a big thing in history. And I think, didn't the last, wasn't it just in the news that the last blockbuster actually finally just closed? I can't remember. I can't remember. But I think I just heard the last block, blockbuster closed. But big thing in history. All right, guys, listen. There are still more questions to come from JC, uh, Anonymous, uh, Allen, and Honest Opinion, and a few others. Do not worry, guys. We got a companion video coming a little bit later today. It might actually be Robert Meyer Burnett doing our companion video today. You'll find out later when it goes online, because I got to go see Dune a little bit later today. I'm so excited to see Dune. Guys, keep your guys' eyes open on the channel. I will be putting up my Dune straight out of the theater reaction and review after I come out of the theater from seeing it. And there will be a companion video going up tonight as well. And don't forget, guys, me and Robert Meyer Burnett will be back for the John Campion Show tomorrow. So please make sure you guys come back and join us for then. But for now, that'll do it, guys, for today's installment of the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks to Aaron Cummings for being here. Special thank you to all you guys who sent in the Super Chat badges and, of course, the questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campion Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Okay, guys, do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.